Hello, I'm Georges Collinet with this week's Afropop Worldwide audio feature, The Ecstasy of a Sufi Moulid, hosted by Afropop's Banning Air. This podcast is a companion to the Afropop program Egypt 4, Living Traditions. Check the programs section at afropop.org to stream the entire one-hour broadcast. Take it away, Banning! A lot of people we met in Egypt told us the country's traditional music has fallen into a state of decline. Lacking support from media and industry, it's often reduced to tourist entertainment or else local ritual appreciated only by a dwindling audience of old-timers. But there are exceptions. Ahmed Al-Maghrabi, director of a small traditional music venue in Cairo called McCann, noted one. The big bestseller till today is Yasini Tuhem, not Amri Diab. Amri Diab is an image that you see in the TV. In the reality, there is another people. That image sold in the TV can make a lot of money through private concerts, through weddings. So if you have the title of the best you know, singer, huh? Everybody will pay you much more than this sheikh. But the reality is, Yassini Tuhami, he has, I think, now 165 albums. He sells like 30, 40,000 cassettes per month. If any of these big stars just sold 60,000 for one album, it's a big deal for them. So the biggest seller of music recordings in Egypt is not pop icon Amr Jab. Rather, the Sufi sheikh Yassin El-Tuhami. Now, I can't confirm Dr. El Magrabi's sales figures, but I did meet the great Munshid, or religious singer, Yassin El Tuhami. It was the final night of a Sufi saint celebration, a moulid, in the upper Egypt town, Abu Tig. Yassin El Tuhami is saying he actually had little interest in recording initially. He felt exploited by the Idaphone label in the 80s and stopped recording altogether until 1995 when he created his own label, named for the Sufi poet Omar ibn al-Farid. But as much as you're apt to hear one of those recordings wafting over market stalls anywhere in Egypt, the real place to experience this singer is on the big night, the final night of a moulid. Yassin al-Tahami says that a moulid celebrates the birth of a saint, usually someone from the family of the Prophet Muhammad. Yassin has been singing at moulids since he was 20. Back then, almost 50 years ago, they were mostly attended by older people. Adults are still the majority, but these days, Yassin is seeing a lot more 20-somethings and teenagers at moulids, and that's encouraging. During our time in Egypt, we also found that young musicians, including rappers, jazz composers, and electronic music pioneers, are all currently creating new work inspired by this ancient celebration. Ah! 
That's Arabian Nights featuring the singer Mahmoud Alesi and produced by Club Wreckers. But let's back up a little and talk about how this particular Sufi event, the Moulid, became such a big deal in Egypt. Here's Michael Frischkoff, scholar of Egyptian music and associate director of the Canadian Centre for Ethnomusicology at the University of Alberta. One of the ways that Islam spread around the world was through the Sufi orders, into West Africa, East Africa, Southeast Asia, everywhere. The result was that people were Sufi all over the place, and they didn't necessarily even have to call themselves Sufi. That's just what Islam was. Islam was permeated with this. And in Egypt in particular, what you would find is that a lot of big celebrations had a kind of Sufi tinge without being the ritual of a specific order. And the biggest occasion for this was the festivals at which a saint's birthday was celebrated. They called it the Maulid or Mulid in colloquial Egyptian Arabic, this was popular Islam, people's Islam. But with the rise of Wahhabism, a fundamentalist movement that started in the late 18th century, Sufism came under attack. Sufi shrines were destroyed all over the Muslim world. By the 1920s, this rejection of Sufism was picked up by Egypt's fledgling Muslim brothers. From that point on, there's a kind of a reformist attack on many of the Sufi orders, many of the practices. You know, this Sufism has just sort of inculcated laziness and mysticism, which isn't productive and it's not leading Muslims anywhere. And I think colonialism itself was a big factor in all this, that, you know, the Muslim countries are all backwards and we need to wake up. And part of our problem is, is Sufism. That's part of the thing that's been you know, keeping us back. We need to move forward. But despite many efforts, right up to the present, no one has succeeded in stopping Egypt's mullets. The biggest ones are attended by millions and go on for two weeks. Now, depending on the importance of the saint, the size can vary dramatically. If it's just a very local saint, they might have a mullet just for one night. But for the biggest saints, and especially the so-called Ahl Bayt, the Ahl Bayt are the family of the Prophet. A number of the Ahl Bayt have shrines in Egypt. So those are the very big ones. They're going to be starting their celebrations about two weeks before the actual big night, the Layla Kabira, which is the culmination, the climax of the festival. That's what we experienced at Abu Tig, Layla al Kabira, the big night. This mulid was in celebration of al-Sutan al-Fargal, a religious scholar who lived some 300 years ago. We dined at the home of Sheikh Yassin's son, Mahmoud al-Tuhami, who began singing publicly at age 13. Mahmoud was to be the featured munshid for the big night, and he escorted us to the scene at Abu Tiq. What we found there was out of this world, a town square festooned with colored fabrics, lights, speaker towers reaching blocks in every direction. Even the enormous minarets of the town mosque were draped in strings of colored lights. And despite the late hour, the place was bustling with energy and commerce. Businessmen get involved. They often donate lights and tents and so on. It also gives them a little bit of visibility. 
but they'll they'll fund it as a religious duty, a religious donation. Some of the Sufi orders will also stake out areas. There's something called the Khidma. The Khidma means literally service. There's a little tent providing shield against the sun, and they'll serve tea and coffee and other beverages hot to everybody free. You just have to come in and they'll they'll serve you. There's a lot of people selling things. Of course, anywhere you have a crowd, you have people selling um, religious items, books. You can buy incense. You can buy perfumes. You can buy tapes and CDs and MP3s and all that kind of thing. There's also people selling candy and snack foods. People bring their kids. They bring the family. They go out. It's a festival. It's a carnival. But a carnival in trance. On a stage high above the crowd, three percussionists, a violinist, and a guy playing the Egyptian kawala, a reed flute, sat on either side of the singer. The kawala can play in two octaves at once, and not to be outdone, the violinist was feeding his signal through an electronic octave pedal, making his sound that much bigger. Mahmoud al-Tuhami sang into a cluster of microphones, each one connected to a separate power amp, creating a huge sound with stadium rock, impact, and transcendent beauty. Cairo told us we would not be safe at a moolid. We were the only Westerners among this crowd of thousands, but we experienced nothing but warmth and hospitality. On the other hand, Michael Frischkoff, a veteran of many moolids, said that while they are generally safe, things occasionally get out of hand. It's just absolutely packed. There's some danger of youth kind of running amok a bit, crashing into people, and in some cases pickpocketing and so on. So there's some danger, especially for women in the very, very densest night. This explains why the few women we saw were mostly watching from windows above the town square. In front of the stage, tight formations of men were rocking back and forth in spiritual movement and chant called zikr, or remembering God. As for the music that was triggering this response, it's complex. Like a Quranic reciter, a munshid has to memorize lengthy texts, though in this case the texts are Sufi poetry, not the Quran. Also like a reciter, the munshid doesn't sing set melodies, but rather must improvise. The musicians sometimes play passages of composed music, often snatches from famous recordings by artists like Um Kothum and Abdel Halim Hafez. But the singer is making it up as he goes, relying on deep knowledge of Arabic music theory, the system of musical modes, or makam. We asked Mahmoud Al-Tuhami how he does it. Mahmoud says, in the music of Sufism, the melody is always derived from the spirit of the word. The word comes first, and its spirit informs the improvised melody and the emotion within it. Sufis rely on language as a fundamental of the faith. The melody is secondary to the word. Well, that may be, but for a novice like myself, the melody... The sound and the atmosphere of collective exhilaration that carried this performance almost to sunrise without a single pause were quite enough. 
This was the emotional high point of a month spent in Egypt and an experience I wouldn't trade for the world. Recorded by Afropop Worldwide at the Moulid in Abu Tig in Upper Egypt. You can find videos and read interviews on traditional music in Egypt on our website, afropop.org. And join me next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Until then, I'm Georges Collinet.